If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. The moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't let it happen. Welcome back to the Wine Jar Cynics Podcast. I'm Dio. It's Gene, and we're going to start saying, actually, welcome to Wine Jar Cynics Watchdog Watch segment. This is separate from the regular um, Wine Jar Cynics. The regular Wine Jar Cynics is just um, mostly like the classical um, Greco-Roman mythos we're going for. This is strictly still some philosophy to it, but mostly tech and futurism and other things but there's still gonna be some philosophy we are trying to make it more of kind of news like but um yeah welcome to episode two we are going to talk about the mission statement and the tenets of watchdogs so so what's the point of watchdogs we are applying the philosophy of kinesism which is what we talk about mostly in wine jar cynics so ancient cynicism which with a k Kinesism and this we apply it to technology and mostly we uh, we apply it to technology because you have that cynical aspect and from the from this philosophy and you we have this cynical aspect towards technology especially emerging disruptive innovative technology so technology is a double-edged sword and technology self-evidently has demonstrated that it can be even more powerful than some governments. So the whole idea is who watches the watchman, right? So you have to have that um, skeptical, cynical um, idea and, and question and examine all these technological advancements. But it is sort of like this neo-tech cynicism. That is the whole point of this. So technology overlaps with all aspects of our lives, you know, freedom of speech with our privacy and is fundamentally changing society and the course of civilization. So we will discuss and inform the public modeling ourselves by the ancient cynics and who saw themselves as watchdogs. So that's how it relates to them. That ethos from the cynics from the past, which is they had called themselves watchdogs. So that's this is the whole point of the name. So we will be speaking on a lot of different topics that should be watched you know civil liberty liberties such as freedom of speech privacy anonymity and liberty and like i said disruptive technologies like ai we're going to be talking about dystopianism dystopian tech it's things that overlap with society governments and technology we are trying to present it in an acta journa style so being able to discuss and inform you on the on hopefully on a daily basis that is one of our goals so the idea, like I said, is to be more tech-centric and still talk about the philosophical aspects and direct implications of a constitutionalism. So the, the, there are four main tenets to watchdogs. It's objective linguistic definition, its relation to kinesism, the old philosophy of cynicism, and how it relates to uh, the idea of watchmen, as well as the role of watchdog in society and civilization. So let's talk about etymology 
and the origin of the word in the list in English, you know. So the watchdog was originally a dog that kept watch, you know, self-evident. And the word's first recorded use was in Shakespeare's late play, The Tempest. In that text, in the, and in later ones, it was generally spelled with a hyphen, with the closed form coming into use in the 18th century. So moving on, how it relates to cynicism. The ideal cynic is personified as the watchdog of humanity. They thought it was their duty to hound people about the errors of their way. Cynic philosophy has a major impact on the Hellenistic world, ultimately becoming an important influence for Stoicism, specifically on the ethics. The cynic virtue of justice and morality morphed into the Stoic version of justice. So that's how the philosophical aspect comes into cynic into the technology technological point of it because you know cynicism is a philosophy of ethics it is practical it can be used and applied when we think of ethics we are thinking of how things should be rather than how they are how when we look at how it is it's more of a scientific aspect so we're looking at you know how these technologies are affecting our lives whether mostly in the negative aspect the whole point is to watch it because there are some technologies that are new. We don't know how they understand and we don't know how they're going to affect society as a whole. So that's why that's the whole point of it. The role of the watchdog to watch these disruptive, innovative technologies that, you know, fundamentally change the aspects of society. So, um, again, the cynic is pronounced Kinikos dog. Aristotle called Diogenes, who was the first cynic, the dog. And when one of our previous episodes, we explained that Diogenes saw the dog also as something, as a loyal animal, and that guards the tenets of its philosophy and knows how to distinguish its friends and foes. Just like the Oprichinik, the guards of the first Tsar of Russia, we also talked about them as well. Their symbol was a dog and a broom. The dog symbolized sniffing out traitors, and the broom symbolized sweeping them away. So, I mean, that's essentially what we're trying to do with this. You know, we're trying to sniff out and, I guess, sniff out something that could be troubling in, in, in certain aspects of technology. And, I guess, we when we hound on their errors, we are sweeping them with the, the broom, I guess, trying to clean up that mess. A good example was like what's going on with the coronavirus and how a lot of these technologies that are parasitic and infringe on people's liberties. I mean, that's we have to hound that hound the errors of their way and talk about it and discuss it. So that's the whole point of this. And um, the fourth tenet is like the role of the watchdogs in society. So a very a prominent journalist, one of America's best, Douglas Cater, I think that's how you pronounce his name, in his 1959, the fourth branch of government, offered the hypothesis that is the press, that the press had become a de facto quasi-official fourth branch of the government and observed it was the looseness of the American political framework that allowed the news media to insert themselves as another branch of the government. Cater was convinced that insofar as the press did act as a true political player, rather than an unbiased observer of politics, it corrupted itself and went astray from its primary responsibility to convey important information and to act as a nonpartisan watchdog for the public against all trespassers on their rights. 
So I think the fourth one is the most important aspect because I think the first few tenets that we have stressed the importance of it and on different ep- um, videos and uh, episodes and the original wine jar cynics, whereas the, the final one should be, that is our focus. You know, we are trying to convey important information and to act as a nonpartisan watchdog for, and tell people what is going on with the, you know, the civil rights, right? Who watches the watchman? You know, who is doing this? Because I see a lot of, um, not not even in the mainstream news do you see this kind of stuff where people are telling you the direct aspect. You know, there there are small you know news channels that are telling you about this stuff, which is fine. But you know, the mainstream news has a lot more traffic, but they don't use it for this aspect and tell people exactly you know these little itty bitty, bitty details. Who knows? Maybe because it doesn't give people ratings. I don't know what would your idea why that could be. I think it, it came down. I, I can't say how long it was going on for, but to a certain extent, it came down to money, mm-hmm. and figuring out yeah. what's selling. And Glenn, so, yeah. like news media was dying. Yeah, and Glenn Greenwald, tra- traditional talk- news media was dying. And Glenn Greenwald, he hit the ha- the nail on the head that um, Fox News found out that hey, if you pander to one group, you can profit. And then the other, the l- most of the mainstream l- liberal news networks also caught wind of this, and, and they're like, just you know, started to shift. To the left, to let's just do it. And what, I, what was the uh, oh, uh, I, I can bring up Tim Pool, he talked about it, his experiences with Vice and how they were pretty much told to cater to the investors, the, yeah, to cater to the left. Don't say anything that will go against this uh-huh. because you, you will want to give the audience what they want. So it's almost become, even if you're producing news. Uh, for the public, it almost becomes a form of entertainment because you're giving people what they want more than anything else. And it's, you know, back then, news was not supposed to be catering to a specific political yeah, idea. It's it was not supposed to be, oh, give you what you want to hear, tell you what you want to hear. And it's just tell you the objective facts about what's going on. And that's why I love D- Douglas Cater. You know, this is back in 1959 where so, he understood so, this aspect that... So it's absolutely, yeah. yeah, this has been an ongoing issue for the longest time. And I think, unfortunately, today, so many of us have become desensitized to the issue. Mm-hmm. Like nine fi- 1959, that's... That's quite a while that's ago. Like over That's 81, or no, now, 82 years ago. Well, that is that's crazy. crazy. It's <laughs> 82 years ago, this was still coming up. Imagine how much better things were still back then, to the point we've, compared to the point we've gotten to now. I can only imagine that we've just become so desensitized to even if we could see the reality of the news back then. Actually, it's 60, it to 62 today. years ago, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. 62 years ago. Okay, like, wait a minute. 62 years ago. I know somebody was born that day. Like, you can't be <laughs> not that old. <laughs> yeah, 62 years ago. My math on that went off. But yeah, still, long time ago, still bringing up these same issues, and he's saying something that rings even more true today and funny enough it, it, when tim pool described it he it made it, he made it seem like the the investors it was it was mostly the investors the events in, investors were assuming that the 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 far left political leanings of the newer generation was something to be pandered to when in reality most people are pretty central they're pretty moderate they're not far right or far left but i think it's a combination of just mainstream news media was dying and that was Vice, mm-hmm. by the way. So they were trying to find their own lane, so they took it more. Okay, we'll hop on the bias train and try and give people what they want to hear more than anything else. 
We can't go if something if some narrative goes against what they're pushing for. We can't put that out because it'll upset our viewers. I also think that there is a certain aspect where the people they have also kind of become desensitized to the idea that people that you know are liberties are being infringed upon. Some people have normalized and said, "Well, you know what? I have nothing to hide." It's also news yeah. aren't supposed to give you your opinions on things. Yeah, it just gives you the objective, factual. And you're supposed to yeah. think for yourself and <laughs> decide how you feel about it. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that, uh, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to give my opinion. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my opinion anyway, but it is to inform, but it's also on a, a discussion on our, on, our, on our end. We give our opinion We on the uh, a philosophical aspect, not really the political, but sure, political too, I guess. We have our own political leanings. Yeah, we, have our own, we have our own convictions. We're, we're not going to be like... We're going to try to be as objective as possible. But it's um, like, for example, I want to give my my opinion is that I think the, uh, the some people have kind of normalized what is happening with their rights. And people know what Edward Snowden has um, displayed what is going on with the government. People know that data brokers are harvesting their data. People know that these apps are are working with these government agencies. I mean, and also... The pandemic and even the capital riots, you know, has shown that the, the, the kind of the inner, the overlap between government, private corporations and, um, and just, um, yeah, mostly, yeah, government, private corporations and, and the FBI and these, um, government, uh, law enforcement agencies, they all are working together to pass on your data even for there are many aspects and i think people there's there's two problems either people don't know out of it, know know about it out of ignorance or people do know about it and they're like okay so what you know it's like but people don't that's the other aspect that i think would be good to have that philosophical aspect to show people why you should care you know what i mean so in a way we we still i guess we we are pushing our opinions why you should care but i think it's not a bad thing. I just for you. No, because we're not. I mean, we're not creating the news and telling you. We're just. We're, we're wanting you to consider it and look at the facts and examine it yourself. If you don't, then of, I don't know. Of don't. news being reported. Um, just for example, like. Um, oh, go on. Were you saying something? I mean, I was just going to connect one thing that kind of ties that actually ties into this. Yeah. It might make things put things in a. Uh, perspective. perspective a bit. Uh, illusion of choice. There are 1,500 newspapers, 1,100 magazines, 9,000 radio stations, 1,500 TV stations, 2,400 publishers owned by six corporations, and 272 executives that control 90% of what 277 million Americans see, hear, and read. There is a lot of itty-bitty details like that, and... And, and it's something... It's I think a lot of the problem isn't just, like, not... Like I said, it's not just knowledge... Because I think that we live in the we live in the age of information, and knowledge is not something that it's easy to come by. The, all these facts are out there. It's just about what you do with it and how you know what I'm saying. Yes. Like knowledge isn't and always the, the the problem. It's also the um, the philosophical reasoning behind people accepting it. You know, it's like why are you accepting? It's like those people who say, "Well, I I have nothing to hide," right? So. They can spy on me all I want, all they want, right? So it's like it's the same reasoning as it's the same thing as saying, um, I have nothing to hide. It's like not having not having nothing to hide is like saying, 
well, I have nothing, nothing to say. That's why. So I don't care about well, freedom of speech. I also see it as the same reason of like, okay, the police can just walk into my house. I'm not. I have nothing to hide. They should be able to come in any time and yeah, see yeah. They're, they want. And, and it's funny, but most, not even the police, but anyone. <laughs> exactly, and, and the whole thing with the privacy stuff. It's like, um, would you let someone in, into your house uninvited you because wouldn't. they suspected something and they and root around your belongings, rooting around everything? That yeah. that is the problem as well. But the reality is, which hopefully we can convey to you guys over time, is that you're. Foot online footprint, you can gain more information about a person than you would probably by walking in their house. Yeah, open source intelligence. Open source intelligence. What they have online that is open to the public for anyone to find, you can probably find more about that person than you could if you were invited into their home to look around. So that's one of the that's the crazy and that's part. one that's one of the goals to like um, convince people to understand what is going on and why they should be upset you know that's personally what i I mean yeah we'll get there's so many different levels Uh, and aspects and and perspectives on this and that's the thing though if the first the second part i don't think it i don't it'd be very hard to convince somebody because sometimes you know you can drag a horse to water but it doesn't mean they'll drink i think but i think we can oh sorry (laughs) first though first off i want to say um the first part, though, I think we've done something at least. I feel better if at least people know about it. But I, then again, like I said, knowledge, knowledge is nothing without application. Philosophy is nothing without action, right? And the action is, you know, discuss about it more, understand it more, research it. Um, talk to your local senator. Talk to your local um, um, government official. Do, I mean, do some kind of commit to something, Doing something that is actually going to change something. Yes. And just one thing I want to get into briefly before we move on, because it's dealing with what uh, Douglas Cater said with the fourth branch of government being the um, the press. Mm-hmm. Because now you have these huge corporatist figures like Bezos, for example. Oh, yeah. Literally bought... Into the press now. He, he is he, the press. He owns the Washington Post. He owns Post. the Washington Post, which is either number two or three biggest newspapers in the country. So you have the head of a major corporation now, who now is the press. So by default, it's almost like corporations now have become by proxy also the fourth branch of government. Maybe you can even say a fifth in a way. In a weird, twisted way, depending on how you you see that, uh, and you cannot deny the the power of it uh, of um, the press, and um, like it, we talked about it, I think um, what's his face, um, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, he despised the press, and he didn't despise the press in the sense that they should not have their power to to report. Obviously, that's the First Amendment, very important that they have the ability to convey and. And no, no one should prevent their right to the First Amendment. But we are saying that they do have a lot of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes, and most for the most part, they have a lot of great power, but they don't use it responsibly. And what I mean by responsibly is they're not, a lot of the times they are not 
doing what the original role was. And even if you're going back to like the revolutionary times, the whole point of the, the press was to talk about what is going on, who is infringing upon your rights. You know, at that time it was the British, right? And right now, what, did it, what is it? It is, it is our own government, right? What, yeah. It is not just our own government, but also crony uh, corporatists who are taking hold of our data, these data brokers. And I know, and, and the data brokers are people who are information brokers. They profit off your your data. They're a third third party, often third party um, corporations. Yeah, it's certain. You I mean you got corporations, almost with government like powers, but not the same restrictions as government. And and the first episode we touched upon, you know, the kind of the digital civil wars and censorship. There's many aspects that we're we're gonna cover, but this this is the whole point, the whole philosophy behind it, because I think. That is the, uh, oftentimes the most neglected part of this is the whole philosophical reasonings. How can it be revel- relevant to people? How can we have people, you know, examine their own lives and their own role in this? And that's hopefully we can do that. So, any other any other comments? I mean, I have. We'll get into it. I have so much I want to say on this topic, but for now, I think that's uh. A good spot to wrap it up. Parabellum, then. Parabellum.